Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been here, just the Black Country Blokes, chewing the fat about everything is mental health, disability and life in general. Here me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime as always, Lee Cadman. And today we're joined by the Giants and the Georges. Yeah, we've got it. <laughs> I mean, uh, we've got Sammy, Ben and Luke here. I've known Sam many years. He's boxed me for many, many years. MC Sammy. Yeah, that's it. We'll be fighting in three weeks on our next home show. Tickets are now available, by the way. <laughs> the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day. But before we go into the music and their, their story, we're going to go into a gratitude list. Always I'd start with our gratitude list because even in the darkest days, just remind ourselves that we have got stuff that we're, that we're grateful for. I'm very grateful that Tom Jones got to the national finals, uh, not last weekend, the weekend before. He had three hard bouts, boxed on the Friday, beat the lad, then boxed on Saturday, won again. Then we lost in the final to a four-time national champion. But I was so proud of how he conducted himself before, after the fight, and get to a national final. It was bloody brilliant. Uh, but it's lovely when you go on tour, when you stay in a hotel with people, you actually get to live with them. And it's um, it's great. He's a travelling boy, him and his dad, Peter, two of the nicest people in the game. But I'd never stayed in a hotel before. And it's, I love that saying, when was the last time you did something for the first time? And when you see someone do something for the first time, it's wonderful because it's a great feeling, isn't it? When you see them do something, all you can eat buffet breakfast and... I know, even like going on an escalator in the supermarket, never been in an escalator before. And these soft things that you go, well, I've done it a million times. When you see someone doing it for the first time, you're thinking, hey, it's spectacular. And then to get to a national final, it was brilliant. And obviously, mum, dad, Josh were with us and just having a good weekend, long weekend, you know, because weigh-ins at 8 o'clock in the morning, boxing starts at half 11 and we weren't until 5 o'clock in the evening. Long weekend, but a good weekend. One I'm very grateful for. How about you, bro? What are you grateful for? My health. I was health. I was ill Don't last week. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing. It. Yeah, because you know I was ill last week, so we had to cancel the podcast. And um, you know, I just felt crap all week. And to come here today and feel feel a lot better. Yeah, I'm just grateful for my health. It is so. I say that like, when you feel poorly, it's not until you feel poorly you realise how great it is to feel well, isn't it? Mm. You know, when you're lying there, you get up. Well, it is, isn't it? <laughs> There's that old thing. A healthy man wishes for a million things. A poorly man only wishes for one. And it's like, you know, when your mom's poorly, your partner's poorly, your child's poorly, it's funny how few things we actually wish for. It's just you wish for that person to be better, isn't it? Sammy, what are you grateful for? Um, I think my fam- just my f- a bit generic, but my, my family and friends, especially over the past um, few weeks, I turned 30. Um, Looking well for it, and so I didn't turn uh, thirty <laughs> gracefully. Rough, I, uh, <laughs> I, I celebrated in a style, um, a lot of alcohol, um, but I still, I still feel young. So I, I'm grateful for everyone who came around. We had, we had a few shindigs, and it was a just a good time. Yeah. How about you, Luke? Well, to be fair, I've recently joined boxing with Sam. Uh, yeah. I've been twice now. Um, it seems like a good community, so mm. quite grateful for that. It's good to be a part of that. And everyone, everyone seems really friendly and welcoming, which is nice. So, yeah, I'm great, grateful for that. It's always the first, the first sessions the hardest one, isn't it? Because you're thinking, is everyone going to look at me? Is everyone? And really, yeah. we think we're more important than actually are, isn't it? Because people are getting on with their own lives, aren't mm. they? And when people do interact, especially in noise clubs, they're just nice. Yeah, is it your first time? The gloves are over there, the skipping ropes are over here. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never stepped foot in it before, to be fair, and everyone was just... It's yeah, definitely happy. a daunting thing the first time you yeah. go to a boxing club, because you think, oh, it's a group of hard yeah. men, someone's going to just... And I, I felt so unfit <laughs> as well, to be fair. <laughs> 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 Soon shows that, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah but no, it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And how about you, Ben? I'm grateful I've survived another week of my three-year-old punching, headbutting, and kicking me. <laughs> I mean, I'll come back to the... I did to do some martial arts again, some combat, you know, um, but I'm kept in my toes by my little one. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just hanging in there. Keep going, too. It does, like, being a, a parent, it's so tiring, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. 
Then I think that is at, at any age, you know, and you go through different hurdles, don't you, from the baby stage, which I personally didn't enjoy. You know, when they're just crying and you don't have to just tell me. And sometimes your kid's just a jerk. I think more people need to admit that, don't they, as well. We're kind of sold this like Disney-fied fantasy of like, you know, this, the baby's going to be born and immediately you can have this bond and everything's going to be glorious when actually sometimes they are just little shits, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said that, like, and it's like through the, the day classes and like, like we do the boxing, but it's a lot of like mental health just talking. And when I had my daughter, I was ashamed to go because I thought like my wife had to have an emergency cesarean and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to hold the baby and I'm going to cry and and it's going to be like Simba and Mufasa. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to lift yeah. up Simba <laughs> and the clouds. And I remember holding my daughter and, you know, I vowed my life to her. Yeah. It's my daughter, but I didn't have that. I didn't have being instant love. Yeah. I fell in love with my daughter. You know, if someone knocks my beer over, I'll kill him. <laughs> and that's the same, 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 not my daughter, you know, you sweat, you know, you're mine, I'll do anything for you. But it's like with your partner, you fall in love with them and more you get to know each other and you build that bond. Yeah. But I was very ashamed and more blokes I talk to and women, they're saying, thank God you said that because I've hung on to that for years. Because yeah. yeah. in the movies, it's, oh my God. And some people are like that. But I personally wasn't and I felt like a terrible human being for not being like that. Yeah. Did you like that? I was, I was um, for my first son, I was very much full of anxiety and I was desperate for him to be alive and I felt this I did feel like an instant bond to him so I have to be honest with that but in my work I work with a lot of dads who they have the same experience you've had where or they they're dedicated they're devoted they're gonna do everything that will ever be needed for their child they still feel this um the bond's not 100% there from the off the, the, the magical spark that we're led to believe we're, we're all gonna get and um, a lot of the dads I support they um they feel guilty about that. They feel like mm -hmm. he didn't. There's that idea of shame around it as well. That um, I've been given this gift. I've been given this child, and I should be really enjoying it more than I actually am. So, does that make me a bad person? Am I, am I worthy? Should you know? And and that really plays on their minds. You know, that really can affect them to the extent they do become quite you know acutely depressed. And yeah, yeah. the shoulds and should nots, isn't it? Yeah. I should feel like this. I shouldn't. But that. It's one of the worst words in English dictionary, should and shouldn't. Because yeah. on what merits, on, on whose measuring stick should or shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And it's like with grief, I should be crying out, I should be angry, I should go back to it. And it's like, boy, we, we all deal with different circumstances in different ways, don't we? Yeah. We've got a different frame of reference, we've got different experiences, whether that be personal experiences or cultural ones you know um you know some people are just more expressive with their emotions other people are a bit more guarded and that's okay i mean in the same breath that we say it's all right for men to talk men to cry and all that as well if someone's just not at that stage yeah, you know, yeah. give them the time you know maybe they will in the future but if they don't need it at that particular point in their life that's and some people aren't cryers yeah some people are introverts some people are extroverts like this is what I think with the world nowadays, because, you know, we were all brought up from the same kind of generations of it takes all sorts for like, the world around. Mm -hmm. But now it's like we've all got to be the same. Mm -hmm. Some people just don't naturally talk <coughs> as much. Mm -hmm. You know, some people could just have a general, you're right, more right, Bert. And that's his way of saying I'm all right. Yeah. Other people have to text, some people have to phone, some people have to, but it's knowing your audience, isn't it? Yeah. And knowing yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people say about the modern world, we don't, we're all kind of disconnected by phones and we're all kind of like hiding behind screens and all that. But I think there's a lot of merit in that. Some people who wouldn't normally say anything at all can now sort of do it with that extra they've level of security. They've got, yeah, yeah, they've got a platform. They've got yeah. a little bit of distance and separation so mm -hmm. they can really open up. Like, so, for example, in my work, mm -hmm. I support dads face-to-face, -face, talk yeah. to them on the phone, sometimes on WhatsApp videos, sometimes just messaging them. Mm -hmm. And even like the Samaritans, they've got a service now where you can just send them an email rather yeah, than yeah. picking up the phone. So you'll be more likely to do that. Yeah. You might be nervous or anxious. And you get to, you, with an email text, you get to think about what you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when on the phone, it's kind of... Yeah. You might forget things. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, it's like, are you like with people on dating apps? It's that same thing. You have time to go, <laughs> hmm... Whereas in a pub, they say something, you say something straight, and you go, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, it's that pause. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go and you say to your friends what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that does some people, the world to good, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. some people are, like myself, I talk as I'm very emotional off my cuff. Whereas some people in life are a bit more reserved. 
and especially when it's coming across emotional and upsetting things so sometimes being able to put down the pen or press pause go for a wee or yeah. have a cigarette or have a brew as long as you're communicating what suits you yeah. that's better isn't it yeah. Yeah, absolutely it's giving people more options isn't it you know yeah. i think that works on the other side of the email as well if someone's yeah. let's say if someone's emailing saying i'm depressed on that if you've got to answer that question straight away of not answer the question but if you've got to give advice or pinpoint them yeah. if you're talking you don't have a lot of time and you can say the wrong thing whereas again if it's come through an email you can reply and take your time and, and hopefully it, yeah. give better advice or whatever you, you're looking that's to a really good point because like a lot of the times with all the good intent in the world like sometimes someone say something that's quite automatic um mm. and it's not always the best thing like for mm. example oh but look on the bright side you've got this out of the other exactly and someone goes oh yeah i've got all these things and i still feel bad so I must be a shit person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean it well-meaning, but yeah, you just yeah, it's kind of, yeah. you're trying to cheer someone up, ultimately. 100%, yeah. That's yeah. what I feel what we do as people. We try and fix people's problems. But sometimes it's just acknowledging the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, what have you got to mind about? you got your wife thinking, I've just told you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't need the kick in the ghoulies. I'm here yeah. to say I'm down. Yeah, yeah, I've had that actually with a lot of, I don't know this is a male-female divide, but I've had that with a lot of girlfriends, so... Not about a lot of girlfriends. No, no. <laughs> no that's a show. They'll say something and I'll try and give you all these solutions. Yeah, and really, they just want to vent at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's something that comes up. Sorry to keep harping on about my work. You know, where where do you work? So, yeah, so I work for um, a charity called Acacia, um, which is Acacia. Acacia, A C A C I A. And they support families going through postnatal <laughs> depression, postnatal anxiety. Um, so, I, my specific role is supporting dads. Brilliant. So it's dads who are themselves going through like post-out depression, post-out anxiety, or dads who's where the mum's got it as well. Yeah. And, and so the stats are that one in 10 dads will have um, experienced poor mental health um, when they become a father for the first time. And that statistic jumps to one in five when the mum's got it. Like some form yeah, of like, yeah. whether that be depression, post-out anxiety, or postpartum psychosis. Um, so often a lot of the conversations I have with dads are about that breakdown in communication, um, how, how you can support your wife. And what comes up quite a lot is what you said that as blokes, typically, you know, we are solutions based. Like, if someone says yeah. you've got a problem, you go, oh, bang, there you are, there's the answer. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of the time people do just, and it goes for blokes as well, people do just want to vent and get it yeah. out and be heard and be validated as well. Yeah. So, you know, often it's, you know, I've done it all the time. My missus, she's got, you know, and, and it's both ways as well i'd admit you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i just want to vent get it out what she wants to vent and then one of us be like oh well here's the solution blah blah, blah. Yeah. and you think i just want to get still it out feel it, like, yeah. <laughs> so i think we should definitely try to normalize and again it sounds really awkward at first you have to kind of broach the subject gently with your missus but when yeah. one of you's off on one if you can just say okay do you want me to do you want me to respond with solutions or do you want me just just to hear you out and yeah but don't you find that sometimes it's better when we've talked about this a lot of time sometimes you could have that conversation with a friend needs to be can we apart yeah because yeah, your mate can just go look we can go and do x y and z or yeah. we can do nothing yeah, yeah yeah i think when you it's when emotion and logic get confused yeah, yeah. you and your friend can talk on logic you'll go well we can go and do this however we can get arrested <laughs> we can do it we could he could break it down with with your partner <clears throat> like i'm down is it me have i done something you can no yeah. it's not you i'm just is there anything i can do no i'm just trying to say i'm hurting yeah. but you almost take it as a dig on your relationship on am i a failure from you hurting yeah. whereas the mate will just go oh, shut up you tit yeah. have a beer or you know what i mean it's yeah fair, my, my wife just called me a tit sometimes as well i've grown a pair of them that's the dad one isn't it does happen does it they like just, when you is i don't know if this is true but like when you become a dad, you get like your extra... testosterone drops. Yeah, and it never recovers to like so, pre-parental levels. So dad body's a real thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's, that's our excuse. We're all the guys that haven't got kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got no excuse. But we'll definitely get you to come back on and talk about that because it's something fatherhood. It's almost brushed under the carpet and with the stereotypes like me being poorly i've just done the latest cleft downstairs is oh you've got the man flu you can well yeah. i feel poorly or when you have a child it's oh you can do the nappies can of course i'm yeah. just trying to do the nappies I'm, I'm a man of the 21st century and yeah. but we're, we're, we're using these uh horrible stereotypes of men yeah. and we, we we just take it on the chin don't we yeah. and we're not treated as a parent we're treated as 
that bloke who, yeah. you know what I mean? That's again, that's something that comes up a lot of us as well. Is like, um, it's existed stereotypes, tropes, all these like horrible preconceptions people have about dads that we are, you know, the bumbling idiots like Homer Simpson or whatever, as funny as he is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, all those things like, oh, the absent father, the distant father, what no one really talks about good dads do they really no well very rarely i don't think dads are as like celebrated as they should be and if you are a good dad we should be mm. you're a bloody father yeah that we, should be the norm well, that, that yeah. should be the norm we can but you're the mother that ch- it, it's yeah. it's far around words it can leave a lasting damage yeah. and yeah, that's not being like me on a violin but it's like we've got a, a guest coming on next week and they're going to be talking about this how how fatherhood is seen yeah. and there's many different forms of fatherhood mm-hmm. there's the uh, biological father there's the father who has lost a child yeah. there's the father who's no longer in the child's life either by choice or no choice there's the surrogate father there's the the coach father and it's got all these different shades of fatherhood and parenthood mm-hmm. but a lot of it isn't explored is the deadbeat dad mm-hmm. or the stay-at-home dad or you know what i mean let's actually talk about all the brilliant things that dads do and it's not like i want to parade in my honor but you know yeah good on you dads <laughs> you know what i mean there's a brilliant um ted talk actually you can't stand him to like, you know, people are really academic talking you know quite self-indulgently as i'm doing now to be fair <laughs> doing very well <laughs> but there's a, a great um lady called dr anna mashin she's i think she works at oxford university or something like that but she did a great talk about the importance of dads and how like we should celebrate dads and we should celebrate the differences between dads and, and mums and the dads have like a really key part a key role to play uh, and again it's not about one parent being better than the other it's about mm. all being part of one big jigsaw puzzle yes. really and contributing yeah, well, I seem to think so. but, but isn't that what society is? We're all different parts of the greater picture, and like what, like me, I'm, I, my wife, Kate's the clever clogs. I know. So if you want to learn about school, you talk to mommy. If you want to learn about people, you talk to daddy. I'm an empathetic soul who knows people. I can read between the lines. That's a different part of parenthood. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? We but we play to each other's strengths and we help each other's yeah. downcomings. Yeah. And that's what you do in society in a club in you know, I uh, you know, do you want me to take the bins out? Do you want me to pick up them pieces of wood? Yeah. I'm stronger than you, so let me do that. Or a team player, isn't it? Team player. Yeah. The chain's only strong as the weakest link, and we seem to have got past that. It's not that I'm better than you or you're better than me. I am better at this small thing. So allow me to help you. Mm-hmm. That allows us to get there faster, surely to God. Yeah. 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 But to your actual band, how long have you all been together and who started it? I think it's been, it was... Pandemic kind of. Yeah. 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 It was, it was yeah. kind of pre-pandemic. Um, well, me and Ben are brothers, we've played, we've played together all, all our lives. Um, but when I went to university, um, my sister got a boyfriend who happened to be Luke. Uh, and I came back and Ben had found a new brother, so... Uh, <laughs> he's kicked out yeah. <laughs> you sucked yeah. <laughs> yeah we started playing a trio didn't we doing yeah. a few open mics around the maverick and Ambok, yeah. yeah then we found uh Adrama christian hon who's a quality drummer company today um but, uh and then we started gigging around snowball from there didn't yeah, yeah the yeah. first gig was a fundraiser wasn't it, to our mm. sister you had on the show um yeah, yeah. send her over to calais wasn't it, to work with yeah. refugees mm. yeah she talked about it and how passionate she was about it. Yeah. It, it's funny though, isn't it? How, how your lives cross at pivotal points, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, 100%. No, it was kind of ever since then. And at that time, we actually all lived together as well. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah. didn't have to play for any rehearsals because we were yeah. in the same house. We rehearse every day, weren't we? Yeah, yeah rehearse yeah. every day. It was quite, it was a good time. Um, songs. But yeah, so kind of the pandemic kind of slowed it down a little bit because we were making. <laughs> Book, we're doing really we? well we had a tour book yeah. we're gonna go around the country we kind of we took a bit of a back, back step to the pandemic but then came back and started just smashing it because yeah. at that stage i mean band boxing club did you feel like we were never going to get back to now because when it was happening i thought we'll never see live music again we will never travel will we ever do boxing shows and it's yeah. at that time we were talking briefly about it off air but it was like is this it is this how we, we'll have to 
do online concerts. You're in your yeah. bedroom. I'm in the kitchen. We're all yeah. playing. Yeah. It, we did a few of those. We did a few of those. The first few is like, oh, quite a bit of a novelty thing. It's quite cool. I was watching me with a dream playing guitar. And after the third one, it was like, I just can't be asked for this. Yeah, yeah. people. You did feel like the end of the world for me. I was like hoarding beans and practicing my nunchucks and stuff. Tom well spent that. Our first ever gig back was at a place called a So Called Studios in Acox Green. Opposite the boxing gym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he said it's going to be, because COVID, a reduced capacity. You're only allowed to bring 80 people. Because the capacity is usually 160, so it's half capacity. It was like, it was probably like three of these rooms. It was absolutely packed. It was like, first back from COVID, everyone was like, everyone. People were like, are you masking? Are you no masking? Everyone was I mean, they started things. wearing masks, yeah. and that's yeah, why yeah, drink people drinking. Yeah. <laughs> 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 kind of don't make sense, does it? <laughs> 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 that was just before, just before the third wave, wasn't it? Was that right <laughs> So them rules, what they? You you've got to wear your mask to go and sit down. When you sit down, you can take your mask off and drink oh, freely. Or if you're eating. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not today, COVID. I'm eating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it made no sense. crazy times. And as you were saying off here, though, but when you were having children, and I always say, good thing about COVID. If you had never experienced any form of mental health, it gives you a taste. Mm. But if you suffer with mental health, it threw petrol on already angry fire. And I think if you were suffering anyway, and then you're isolated in your homes, and then if you had a, a baby or a child, and if you're of a nervous disposition anyway, and it was petrifying, wasn't it? And I saw some, like, we shut down the club, and then we set up the Lions family. Yeah. So we were communicating. It different. But you saw people really suffering and it was the fear of god am i doing the right thing yeah. if i go to the shops have i got to bleach myself i've taken my daughter down to the park but how about if another child look and it was frightening yeah. did you suffer ben through oh it? god yeah <laughs> i was i was really paranoid i mean i'm quite a paranoid person by by nature anyway but yeah because one of my diagnoses is ocd so it's the obvious sort of Think with worrying about germs, which everybody, well, a lot of people were. Um, yeah. But for me, it felt somewhat amplified. You know, I used to wash my hands till they bled, and yeah, you can see like, it was. Yeah, you see, bad. These hands were like because all the sanitising is always in yeah, your hands, yeah, just like scabs and. It's like I had syphilis on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're doing it for the right reasons. Break it. it you go obsessed with it, can't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of Lee's best friends uh, in the world, Steve Ansel, who's been on it, and he explained OCD to me better than anyone ever has. Yeah. And it, it, it's not just the light switch, it's not just to clean. It's if I don't turn the light switch on, mm -hmm. then the electrical start a fire. Yeah. And if my house sets on fire, what happens to my cats? And then, yeah. and it's, it's the spirit because we just think it's a germaphobe. Yeah. Or it's just quirky and quite tidy yeah. but it's, mm. if i don't do this yeah. this series of events yeah, before happen, before we know it, his whole family was dead basically if he yeah. didn't switch that yeah, light yeah, so many yeah. times and you can go further than that as well it can even be to the extent where people think okay if i don't put this coaster perpendicular <coughs> and everything else perpendicular to that then there's gonna be like some catastrophic event mm. some other microcosmic world or something that's that's yeah. exactly exactly yeah. Steve. like if he buys tins of beans they have to be in serial number order and, and wow, okay. like really what we consider <laughs> weird stuff but if he doesn't do it he yeah. really does think that something really bad's going to happen and there's the intrusive thoughts as well on top mm. of that um some people have like really unpleasant thoughts about like harming the family or like you know jumping off a building or whatever and it's um it's the furthest from what they'll ever do so they, they're often quite disgusted by those thoughts yeah. you know? and that's one of the bigger things that doesn't get mention so much of OCD is the intrusive thoughts are like you know thoughts of like you know pushing your nan onto a train track or something you know yeah. this is an example um I've worked with people who've had some really severe ones like about they've been worried particularly like abusing their kids or something and obviously they're never going to do that they feel so disgusted by it and they feel so ashamed that they have all sorts of maladaptive behaviors to try and get rid of those thoughts as well and yet everyone just thinks about like oh you're very clean come and tidy my hands mm, i think that's that's probably the major issue with ocd yeah. isn't it that it's uh out of all the kind of mental health disabilities the one that's made fun of the most of because people don't understand it and don't, yeah. they don't, they do, a lot of people do think it's about someone coming around and cleaning and they don't realise the thoughts that go yeah. behind and why you're doing those things. I just had intrusive thoughts. 
the reason why our nightmares find us because we know what we're frightened of. Mm -hmm. And if those intrusions, oh, you're a paedophile, if that appalls you to your core, and that's the worst thing anyone could call you, your mind knows what upsets you. And that's why it says these are if you're a fan of hamsters, yeah, you know, two of us got bloody hamster kicking over the fence. Yeah. But if that petrifies you, your mind knows what you're frightened of or knows what upsets you. And when your mind's working against you, yeah, that's a that's a battle that's really hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And even I mentioned that, um, it's quite a good example that film Inception, um, not really anything to do obviously much, but there's one bit and he says, if somebody says to you, Don't think of pink elephants, what do you think? Pink elephants, 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 elephants. And it's just crazy, man. It's, it's out of control. The mind's a powerful tool. Mind's, mind's not very powerful. But them intrusive thoughts. <laughs> you think things that you'd never say to your partner. Yeah. But when they're going, out, and that once again, that's been the guilt, the shame, yeah. and the embarrassment, and all these horrible things. Whereas it's not necessarily you that's yeah. saying it's your nightmare yeah, yeah in your head that's just playing while you're awake is that that's horrible right. daydream nightmare isn't it yeah. so in essence because it's just like again that, that sort of nightmarish part of your brain telling you something that you'd never ever do and unfortunately because it's happening and it's such a horrible thing you ascribe meaning to it when it's really yeah. it's quite meaningless effort, mm. effectively so i was taught like a pretty good visualization is like you know when you, when you have these thoughts, rather than fighting against them, because you're just going to make them fight back and be, they're going to reinforce them, try and visualize them as clouds, you know, they just pass by, thoughts come, they go, they come back again, but that's what thoughts do, you know, and, you know, just try to sort of accept them as just thoughts rather than trying to, you know, um, dispel them, because that just adds more, gives it more attention, gives it more focus, gives mm -hmm. it more meaning when, when really it's a meaningless yeah. thing. And everyone has them passing thoughts, don't they? Everyone there, you just you daydream or you're thinking about something. Not every thought has to have meaning, does it? Yeah, exactly. Or a purpose, it's just a fleeting thought. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The mind's a very random place sometimes, Pops isn't in. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you two, uh, I, I know you have been, we'll go into more stuff, but have you two ever suffered with any kind of mental health or with anything that's. Um, I don't, I've self made, like, when I thinking about like when i was younger it wasn't really talked about or anything no. like that to be fair um so it's hard to say i don't know I tried to buy a saxophone once i tried to <laughs> yeah that could be uh <laughs> to do with that. yeah it's really hard to say like because obviously you work in it you're more yeah, involved with yeah. it and like again like i've always worked with, like in a trade and that's quite a masculine environment and yeah. you know you see a lot of Menly men, as it were. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's not really talked about as much. Yeah. So I do find it interesting talking about it. But and that's where a lot of men out like uh, the highest stat of men yeah. is in them uh, construction industries mm. because they're just is, yeah. blow blokes, and they say like about getting mental health first aiders, but you'd have your gaffer doing it. Yeah. But really, if you can get mental health first aiders, you want the bloke on the trowel next to you. Yeah. So if you are gonna have a rat, it's not like I'm gonna tell sir. It's I've had them wobbles. Yeah, yeah. You know what and I mean? then you make it like a normal. Like, you, mm. should, you should be able to talk about those things. Yeah. Well, would you? I think a lot of it's like the language as well. That, that comes up quite a lot. Is often we try to apply <coughs> language that makes men go like, you know, like you don't. They don't want to feel weak, do you? Yeah. They don't want to feel like you're not a man or whatever yeah. you might think it might be. But I think a, a very quick hack for that is like rather than talking about, you know, how does that make you feel? Mm. You know, you go, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's yeah, you get the same information, but yeah, you're not yeah. you're avoiding it's that the, kind of like terminology of yeah, oh your feelings and all that, and that yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. 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 I think I think sometimes when someone actually you shut off instantly, yeah, you don't want to those things, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, the two biggest killers of men is suicide and prostate cancer, and we can both we can cure both of them, but it takes a large amount of intimacy. Mm. One's opening up your feelings, one's having a finger up your ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? What you Actually, think? we have the doctor on and says you don't need to do that anymore, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> so if your doctor's having you on there. And it's best to go and get done by a doctor, not a, a <laughs> yeah. Don't ask the builder to do that. The thought of embarrassment could save your life. Yeah. But how many people will go like, well, finger up my ass, or it's, it's, you're not going there for kicks, it's not in the back of a pub. That test could save your life. Oh, just opening up about I'm having a wobble. Yeah. It, but we're so conditioned to, and the, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned, and I, I say this a lot, was a bloke called Nick Davis company, and we're doing a confidence seminar. And we're all there, hairy ass blokes from super flyaway, super everywhere. So what everyone frightened of in here? And everyone went, oh no, cancer, spiders, injections. 
and they were an embarrassment. And everyone went, looked at each other and went, ooh, I'd rather get in that ring and have the shit knocked out of them than to ask that girl out or to read this piece of paper. And everyone put their hands up and went, so you'd rather put yourself in physical danger than the notion of being embarrassed. Mm. And that stuck in my mind because I thought, there's getting up and singing karaoke where I purposely make myself look like a fool yeah. to everyone. But when you're vulnerable, and I thought, the fear of being embarrassed has held me back. And that, after that yeah. point, I thought, who cares? Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think to add to that as well, because that's, that's a great point. I think often we see reaching out for support as it's 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 weak and all you've compromised your masculinity but at the same time if you're able just to go you know i'll put all my pride aside and all my embarrassment aside and get the support that will benefit me and my family yeah Ultimately, that's a very masculine move that's isn't a it? big mm. move isn't it yeah. Surely, yeah have you ever seen the, the it's a book but they've turned into a movie the, the boy the mole the horse and the fox i've said in the wrong order but it's a great part check it out on bbc i play it's a cartoon brilliant one of the best things you'll ever see and there's a great thing there. The boys talk to you. Because what's the hardest thing you've ever said? When help, help is not giving up. It's refusing to give up. Yeah. And I thought, what a lovely notion that is. Because mm. we think asking for help, I bottled it. But the point that I asked for help, I've realised I'm struggling and I'm not going to get through it. But asking for help, I've chose not to give up. Yeah. And what a lovely way of turning that it's, phrase on its head. It's How beautiful it is. Yeah, I, I mean, you, Sammy, like you've done. You've played hockey. You've, you've boxed, you, you do these uh, in the band. And there's a difference between anxiety and nerves, isn't there? Yeah. Because nerves are so natural, isn't it? You're getting into boxing gym, uh, boxing ring, he's going to punch your head in, or you're singing, they might boo you, hockey, the ball, or the stick money in the face. You should be nervous. Yeah, yeah. But anxiety is a different ball, isn't it? Yeah, I think anxiety is, is it's often, it's not logical, is it? It's something that I'm, I'm, I'm getting anxious to go to the shops, but what's going to happen at the shop? Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, going in front of the stage in front of people or yeah. getting the boxing ring, maybe getting your face smashed in. You can logically. It's a logical, it's yeah, a logical yeah. thing, but um, anxiety, yes. It, not always. And I think that's what people don't understand about, like, I think the word anxiety as well was thrown around a lot um, mm. and people didn't really know what it meant. Mm. Um, it's quite a buzzword, wasn't it? For yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, but we should feel anxious, shouldn't we? We should. It's like, um, and, and there's nerves there's an uneasy you know i'm feeling a bit anxious here i'm feeling a bit you know the flutters and there's anxiety and like you know i've sat there watching peppa pig with my baby with my wife in my house that i love and all of a sudden i feel like i'm having a stroke yeah, yeah, and you yeah. figure that that's an anxiety you think well i'm safe here i've created something my home my safe place and i feel like i'm gonna die that's yeah. when it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Because you know you're thinking, well, I should be frightened here because he's going to punch me in. Yeah. Or I've got a GCSE, but well, I am frightened because if I don't do this, I might not have to go to college. Yeah. That's yeah. logical. No. Nerves. Yeah. You know, I'll go down the roller coaster. Well, I'm not going to fall out, but I ever did. Nerves. Yeah. Whereas is that uncomfortable anxiety when you just grabs you by the balls, thinking, why? Yeah. 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 Have, have you had the anxiety attacks, Ben? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, certainly have over the years, definitely. And it's, it's, it's very physical, isn't it? It's very quite visceral in comparison to just, you know, as you said, there's, there's logic involved and you, you're in the boxing ring. You, you might get hurt, you know, but anxiety you could be in your safe place and it could be some little tiny thing you pick up on, something that makes you feel good. Or most often it's just almost random, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you do feel like, I mean, quite a common one. People think they're having a heart attack, don't they? Yeah, like, yeah. It ends up just being, I say, just being a panic attack. Um, it's really just, it's distressing at the time, but ultimately it won't, it won't kill you from the actual experience itself. But it, you know, obviously, over the long term, mm. you can increase your cortisol levels, the stress hormone, yeah. and that can have a detrimental effect over the long term, can't it? Mm. But, um, it's like so I've suffered them on and off the last 20 years or so, and it's yeah, yeah. But it, I hate it when I feel trapped. And the worst ones were when, um, in lockdown, because my wife would be upstairs, me and my daughter would be there. And it's, I couldn't just nip off somewhere. Yeah. I couldn't go and lie down because my wife was working. And then you try to put your brave face on for your daughter. Yeah. You okay, Daddy? I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thinking I'm, I'm, but you're, just, you're trying to hold it together. And now, now I just say Daddy's having a wobble or Daddy's feeling a bit poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to be ashamed of any part of myself for me, my child. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to give this thing that's easily contagious then. You know what I mean? Because I find anxiety, I've not seen a lot of boxing shows, and I bet you see the concerts. Nerves are contagious. 
you nervous? No, I'm fine. You sure? I've been nervous. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, and before you know, you go, yeah, you've gone from all like to shitting yourself, yeah. and your kids are like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like going, this is a part of me, but I'm working hard. I'm working to get around it. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend like that, didn't he? Was like, my dad used to run marathons and all that, you know, and he had a, a friend who was really suggestible, like, he'd say to him one day, oh, you're looking really sharp today, and you'd have a good race, you know. Yeah. We'd be like, oh, you're looking a bit tired, you are right? And he's like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you always see that in the boxing ring all the time. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You've done it before, but when you're boxing, just duck down and move and watch your opponent do exactly the same as you've just done. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of mimicking what you're doing. It's the same thing. You're suggesting something in your movement yeah, yeah yeah and you don't even realize you're doing it yeah honestly try it try inspiring <laughs> just just move a certain way yeah. you'll what and, and actually contract what that person's yeah. doing they'll they'll follow your movement but you see it's terrible in the, in the change rooms it's you're nervous you're nervous oh bloody hell he's got the grace to lift up and you go shut up <laughs> but, it's, but it's having the in your life in your relationships in your corner having the right people at the right times yeah. and normally that's our parents uh, they're doing it out of a place of love, but they're, they're projecting their fear onto you. Yeah. And before you know it, you're petrified. You're thinking, I'm doing this, especially in your hobbies. I'm doing this because I enjoy it. Yeah. Why are you putting your baggage onto me? You know, if, if you're that nervous, go and have a beer at the bar, go outside and have a fag, go, you know what I mean? Let me deal with it and leave me in my safe hands. Yeah, that's yeah, so my, my, my last fight. My mum came to my first ever boxing match, um, Wilson Hall, and she the whole time she had her head in her hands, she couldn't watch. So now she just stays at home. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 It must be the most foreign thing in the world for a mum to watch her baby in a fight. Yeah. yeah. And some, some mums are great, they can do it, but some mums and dads and brothers and sisters and nannies and granddads just go, oh, sure the best. Let me know how you get on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah. <laughs> my mum's got a sweet left hook, hasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you're, you're bringing out a, a new song, aren't you, for bipolar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about it's about <laughs> bipolar. Yeah, we're gonna release it soonish. Yeah, it's yeah. coming out soon. Yeah, which one is one of our? Me and Luke, Luke both said this. It's probably one of our favourite songs. Um, that that um, that we've got. To be honest, and I remember Ben first sent it me, um, and we always do this. We said when we've got a song idea, we'll like send over a little like voice clip or a little demo, really rough. Luke's actually got a folder full of money fans, him just beatboxing. <laughs> uh, um, it's just me trying to do bass songs over the phone, like you joke. Yeah, you can't, yeah, can't, yeah. I've done a song, it doesn't What do you think to that, boys? But Ben sent me this, it was like a 10 second, probably 20 second clip at most. And I was listening to it online. It's like, Joe, you get a song and it's just stuck in your head all day. Yeah. I was just listening to it on repeat, man. And it, um, yeah, but like the words, I think it's like it's a very, very poignant song. Because with the bipolar, you got diagnosed three years ago, was it? Ben? I was 18 when I got diagnosed. 18. Yeah, yeah. So I had like contact with mental health services from about the age of 14, I think. So at school as well? Yeah, so I was at school. Yeah, secondary school. Um, and yeah, yeah, so there's obviously with bipolar, the thing is because some of the experiences is hard to sort of determine. Is it just teenage hormones and teenage hijinks you know that kind of thing um but it was like one particular episode when i was 18 on the way at uni that's when they decided that they could like discern a pattern in my behavior and and my um experiences that they finally would have to yeah that's bipolar you know so um um and they, they'd thrown all sorts of like um diagnoses around so initially i was being treated for um depression and, and ocd which is still equally as valid and, you know i still um agree with that diagnosis as well but they don't, they're throwing things out like borderline personality disorder and schizophrenia as well um and then eventually they they settled on on bipolar which was it was a relief in a way a lot of people um kind of shy away from the oh don't label me kind of thing but actually when you're going through like a really shit time for like you know years and you kind of think oh it's saw me i'm a bad person you know the reason i'm acting this way the reason i'm self-medicating the reason i'm getting to all sorts of like you know difficult situations it's not because i'm a bad person it's because there's, there's an illness that can be treated and i can get through that so um so for me and again it's a very personal thing for me it was it was a relief to have that and and at least as a starting point to know okay these are the this is a group of symptoms um and they'll they'll link in and this is what would be a a good path for recovery um 
And that's not to say like I got diagnosed in the straight away. I was like, "What's oh, It's a miracle. Yeah. It was very much a rough road from there. Um, <coughs> Could you explain what bipolar is? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll, I'll try and explain it as like well as I can. Hopefully, I'm not doing a disservice to it. Well, no, in your words, because yeah. it, it, it's it's your condition. Yeah. And if anyone out there is like, well, that's well, that's uh, your perception of it. Yeah. That's yeah. where we get wrong, isn't it? Yeah, People sure. flare up on <coughs> my experience of what I've got. Yeah, <laughs> Can yeah. you tell me that I don't feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. So in your words, how, how would you describe yeah, it? Yeah. So in my words, it's very much the sort of, my experience is very much the classic. It was the doctor said it was the classic bipolar um, experience, which sounds lovely. Textbook. Textbook. Yeah. <laughs> so it used to be called manic depression. So you go through, um, you know, certain types of bipolar where you have um, periods of real depression followed by a period of mania. And mania is you have, some of the common experiences are being full of energy, putting yourself in risky situations, perhaps being overly optimistic, overly positive, um, to like an extreme level where people can eventually get to a stage where they become delusional. Um, and you can feel delusional in a depressive stage or a manic stage. Um, for me, um, you know, it was feeling, oh, I'm a rock star, I know I'm the best musician in the world and all that. And, and that was great. That's a good feeling. Sometimes it's really positive as well. You can be quite creative with it. You know, you can... Um, write some amazing tunes, make some great connections with people. But then the other side is like, okay, um, for me, um, I've, have you seen the film The Truman Show? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, so I had this delusion that I was like the centre of everything. And, yeah, yeah. You know, people were like, giving me messages for the TV and that kind of thing. And I was being watched all the time. And, or, and that kind of took a more sinister turn as well. It was kind of like, oh, am I, am I here? Is my life like an experiment to see how people react to certain stimuli, yeah. certain situations? Um, and it got really kind of abstract and quite surreal, really. Um, I had something very similar to that when I was smoking cannabis. I, I yeah. went like that because my eyes are so bad. And I was thinking, well, I'd be the perfect person to do this because I wouldn't see the cameras right in front. But once you could down, it sounds ludicrous now, but once you're down that rabbit hole, yeah. you're thinking, who can you trust? And yeah. everyone said, no, don't be safe. But obviously that's what they'd say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And before you know it, you're thinking, it's it's tough, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it was. And, and all sorts of like other paranoia that fed into it as well. <laughs> like when I was um, 12, I was walking back from school, um, walking to Pensionette School, um, walking back through, through Brockmore. <laughs> I got randomly shot with an air rifle by somebody. So for the parts of my life where I've like, seen like air rifle like, well guns and things come out of windows and stuff yeah, like that yeah. you know so some of it's kind of like based on life experience <coughs> that's like informed my world view and other parts of it's just just random shite basically you know but as i said there are some good points as well like um feeling able to spend a lot of energy on writing music and and, and you know just enjoying life mm. when, it, when it's going well but inevitably there's a crash as well well, I would have talked to different people, and they said the manic stage was more dangerous than the depression. Because yeah. in 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 my friend's scenario, because when I'm really depressed, Kev, I'm that depressed I can't even be asked to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. It says when I'm manic, I'll get myself to tens of thousand pounds worth of debt, yeah. or I'm being that fearless that I could potentially do something That's it. bonkers. Yeah. It says, but obviously, the manic you feel great, but you're acting very, you know, extreme. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the depression is horrible. Yeah. I won't go in the shower because the water hurts me. I can't go up the city, but quite frankly, I'm just there. Mm. I'm not going to do nothing. Yeah. I think the other, again, going to the manic side of things as well, one of the things that can tip from mania into like a, into psychosis or even back into depression is you're often so full of enthusiasm. Like, oh, this is great. Everything's perfect. This is brilliant. And then you think, hang on, why is nobody else as enthusiastic as me? Mm. Why is there something going on? Is there something wrong? Is this a trick? Am I being watched? And then that's when the paranoia creeps in as well. So mainly on paper, it sounds great. And as I've said, there are some times when you're really riding high and it's like, everything's great. You know, you've got the serotonin boosting for your body and all that. And then all of a sudden you kind of become really self-aware. Like, Hang on. Nobody else is enjoying this as much as me. What, what's what's the catch, you know? What with the self-awareness, like my friend explained this to me as well. He goes, but sometimes kids, like, you're very happy. And he goes, but is that a sign of my mania, my, my manic? Or is it, I'm generally happy? And, he goes, and sometimes I doubt that I should be that happy. Yeah. And I convince it's my illness. So you're never sure, should I, should a stereotypical normal person yeah. feel it the way that I feel it? And then he kind of ciphers his happy and his sad. 
Yeah, and you get that self-fulfilling prophecy, don't you, as well? You think, oh, there must be something wrong with me. I shouldn't be this happy. Maybe I should be miserable. Or, <laughs> I'm more this happy because a sad moment's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. And it, it, is, it is very personal. There are, like, as you said, those we've discussed, these are kind of like the classic symptoms of it as well. There are other, like, um, so you've got main, two main types. There's bipolar 1, bipolar 2, and there's also, like, cyclothemia as well, which is more like um, rapid cycling, they call it. And I've had, one of my friends had that. That was quite interesting. So often when people think of bipolar, they think that someone's going to have like, it kind of gets mis misinterpreted as like multiple personality disorder or something. Like, you know, one part of you is happy, one part of you is sad. It's still the same person going through mm. it, just at different, you know, different points in, in life. And, and uh, you know, classically, some of the episodes, as they call them, can last months, you know. Mm. It's not like you one necessarily one day you're up and the next day you're down. Mm. But with cyclothemia, it's a bit more like that. It's a bit of a, like rapid cycling kind of experience and is it like because once again been doing this for as long as we have and having so many conversations with people but like there's different forms where you can have like um like the paranoia isn't just i think sam's talking about me you can hear sam talking about you yeah. or then you have the visual hallucinations and, yeah. and it's uh, this kind of stuff isn't talked about enough and i believe what we need and we're also trying to get more of it people lived experience so it's not just dr dylan reading from his freud book it's having people to talk about it going yeah. well look at you know weird that was just this happens and sometimes you might wake up in a field but this has also happened too and is that i think what we we, we need lived experience but the group sessions don't work for everyone mm, but and then the great thing about nowadays is we've got forums yeah, yeah. so you can type into a forum and meet once again as we were saying technology catching up with yeah, yeah. we're very blessed at the moment aren't we and we are getting better yeah, yeah. than we ever have mm -hmm. there's still mileage to go but i think more times than we can have people with your experience or even like the younger brother and the partner and the mom and dad yeah. who can talk on their side of it because like with everything we talk about your daughter and my mom having me as disabled son and my wife sometimes we talk about the poorly person yeah and we forget about the poorly person's life partners yeah because yeah. they they have a completely different side of the story the <coughs> loyalty and the respect and the boundaries and everything that they go through yeah. is often the untold story isn't it yeah that's it that's true it's quite, it's, um, it's, on that was quite a weird one as well um i think me lydia and mom and dad have all said it kind of like because we obviously we've known ben well i've known you well but <laughs> ever like um we know about his illness sometimes we can kind of see if ben's kind of having an episode, what do you call it? Yeah. Yeah. It bends on well, and sometimes we all notice it before he does. Before he does. Usually I'm naked and flinging feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all right. <laughs> you, you see the telltale side, and that, that's with all of us, anyone who's had a, a friend of an addiction or anything like that, and you, you start seeing it. You think, and sometimes we're overprotective, and you're yeah. going, uh, are you sure you're okay? And sometimes you are literally seeing those telltale signs are going, be careful now because you're slipping but unfortunately as human beings we're all so stubborn aren't we yeah. and you go, no, don't tell me i'm all right yeah. and i imagine that's like you know a, a recovering alcoholic or drug yeah. i'll be fine i'll just have i've done so well yeah. i'll just have one but that often that one could tip you over or yeah. you can get away with one or two or three or four and before you know it yeah. the monkey's on your back again that's isn't very it? much part of my experience as well um it's one of those chicken or egg situations, but I used to, I used to drink. I had a drink problem from quite a young age. Yeah. So I drinking about like 12, 13, something. You know, you start out yeah, cider yeah. in the park and then it escalates to like whiskey before school and all that stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely that that was that was a big part of my um self medicating behaviour was, was was drinking, and um, I've got where I was going with that now. They kind of yeah, like, they kind of <laughs> not they kind of trigger each other. Yeah, that's you know, it. Yeah, that's it. They get kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Because we always think like that. Though. I think the thought of a drink is better than the drink. Mm. And I love a drink more than it most. You know, but it's, you think, oh, I've had, I'm having a wobble, so have a drink. But then what you forget, all your drugs or whatever it is. But you forget, like, you know, if I'm sober, I can think, oh, Kev, you know, yeah. that's not a logical thought. But I'm pissed or off my head. Then you're thinking, well, you have your rant or whatever. But then you're more prone to act yeah. upon those thoughts. Definitely. And I was I was really in denial about my drink problems. I just, I was just kind of played it off as oh we're all teenagers. This is what you do, you know. From you know from Friday, this is what I sort of yeah. you know this is what we do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I was really sort of um, yeah hiding behind that really. Um, and it's cool. 
Yeah. It's, it's not, it isn't cool, but it's, it's one of those things as a kid drinking. You think it's cool? You're cool. You're the cool kid at the bar. You're the kid who can get served. You're the kid who can. And so, oh, I'll tell you something, Kev. He has 20 points, you know. He's a legend. Instead of, what is Kev having 20 points? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why is he drinking Frosty Jacks yeah. and some port and just yeah. anything he can? We used to drink like, you remember White Lightning? <coughs> yeah, White Lightning. We drank Damn, a knockoff version called White Storm. The knockoff of the knockoff of the shit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what you're the still saw that. It's all in that stuff. Oh, it's like one pound for two litres and then you do these kind of things. Yeah. But it's not drink. It's like if you have um, someone who's buying a on a pen's worth of heroin, yeah, it's oh, well, he's a smackhead, he's escaping the same thing that the frosty drink yeah, is drinking. That's it, you know. Yeah, what I mean, it's, it's more culturally acceptable, isn't it? Because it's part of our like, hey, I'm yeah. good time, and you know, yeah, yeah. And it, it's filling the void, mm-hmm. you know, it's filling the void with stuff, and it's so easy, isn't it? We're all escaping stuff in some way, yeah. but there's drinking or getting off your head or whatever for a purpose. I always think it's like when people drink and do drugs for the party. But it's when you're left there, still having a party when everyone's gone. Yeah. That's when the, you're going from laughing to crying. You know, when you've outlived the party. Yeah. And you find yourself, wouldn't you, at three o'clock in the morning, either racking them up or sipping your can, you're thinking, the party's gone. Yeah. And that, that that's the sad part of it then, isn't it? But that's what people don't often talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? I'm feeling that rough in the morning, but I'll, I'll fin- I might as well finish the can, yeah. you know, before I pour it down the sink. And before you know you're back on it. I think it's a shame, isn't it? Because often we, when we see like portrayal of alcoholics in <coughs> films, it's either like really comical, like they're falling over and all this stuff, you know. There's a time for slapstick comedy, you know. Yeah. And they're always one of their absolute scumbag and they're on Jeremy Kyle and they're a bad person rather yeah. than seeing it as this is really fucking sad. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. It's like whenever you see people on the street or like uh, you're missing your sisters, you judge the person by who you see. You forget the journey he's been on. Yeah. That poor bugger might have. His child died, his mom died, yeah. da, da, da. he was molested, he was... He's like, yeah, that's what we're all guilty of. You, like people say to you, well, he's looking for you. It gives you the right to tell that to me. Nothing about my life's been easy. But I'm just, you're seeing the person I want you to see at the moment. Yeah. If you see me after 20 points and I've had a round of message, you'll see a different part of me. Yeah. And it's, we judge people on that person we see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within 12 months, that bloke who's covered in urine under a bridge, might have pulled his life together. Yeah. But, you know, it's giving people the chances and opportunities, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And we've all got to cross the bear, haven't we? Yeah. So, I mean, when's this song coming out, though? Um, it's still in the um, in the uh, pipeline, isn't it? And um, mm. We're doing a lot of recording recently at a place called Magic Garden in Wolverhampton. Um, so we just released a track that came out a month ago. Is it a month? Oh, I don't know. It's in the past now. That was called, uh, don't you know, that did really, really well. Um, but like I said, this one, this one we've just done is probably, probably one of our favourite ones. One of our favourite ones, yeah. one ones we've ever done. Um, you jinxed it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you put one of your backgrounds over one of our videos and you've um, mental health doesn't care and you put one of your back tunes over. Um, yes, it was um, Sunflower Girl. One is one of our, um, one of our older singles, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably, one of, probably one, the only happy song I've ever written, uh, and then she left me. <laughs> <laughs> she just loved the misery, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's a good song, though. But then, to be fair, on the back of that, I wrote loads of really good sad songs. Yeah, like Adele does that, doesn't she? She gets swings around about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We can't always be happy. Can we? <laughs> no, well, guys, do you want to get your instruments out? It's like zippy off a, ra- a rainbow. Oh, yeah. I've got a twanger. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get uh, your yeah, stuff, yeah, then sure, then, sure. Uh, and next week we're going to be joined. Beg uh, my pardon, I'm flu, I can't remember her name. But she's going to be coming on talking about what we've touched on today, like getting that experiences, getting people talking about these things, and they're going to be doing a survey over next year that me and Lee are going to be involved in. She's coming down to our free daytime session on Friday. I'll chat to some blokes. So if you are interested, come down to our session and, you know, let's get our stories out there, guys. Let's talk about how it is to be a dad and how your dad was to you and have we learned from it and have we made the same mistakes? 
would it be easier if one of you sat over here yeah, and we moved out the way? Yeah. Would yeah, that be better yeah, for yeah. you? A bit more room? You stay on camera this side, yeah. Move the mics where you need to as well, lads. <laughs> How many do you want us to do? Just, just the one? Or? Would, you, would you rather do tangerine? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. okay. yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Quotes or sayings that has helped them get through life. Over to you, Ben. I reckon you've got a few. Well, do you know what? Actually, I was bricking myself because Sam mentioned I'd have to do a quote, and then I had realized I had no quotes, so I was googling them as I went through. <laughs> there were some corkers on there, but I think it was uh, the, the Hendrix quote. It was when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, Luke. Oh, that's precious. I can't top that. <laughs> he did a pre-search before he came in. Yeah, he got warned. Most people are getting warned about this. Yeah, that was a good one. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. No, just generally, just love is a good thing, isn't it? Just all round. <laughs> Choose love. I can't try to beat you now. Choose love. <laughs> so there you go. Um, reminds me from the late, great Apollo Creed. Um, there is no tomorrow. Yeah, look. Rocky's made it. Okay, it's one of them. Yeah, okay, yeah. There is no tomorrow. <laughs> well, guys, I hope you've all enjoyed it. 
Um, until we all see each other next time, when you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Tarar a bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.